we're going to talk about literally you could say attributes you could say qualities you could say keys to sensitivity in your walk with the lord sensitivity to the holy spirit it is so important you've heard me say this so many times what the lord said to me years ago he said tony being led by my spirit i was i was putting together a whole class on being led by the spirit of god and i was so into principles and he said this is not about principles this is not about you learning just how to do something mechanical being led by the spirit of god is a sensitivity that you maintain every moment of every day of your life, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how loud the outside is, you have to maintain a sensitivity. And there's some qualities, there's some attributes that you'll see in your life that will literally tell you that you're sensitive. So we're going to go through those as the Lord leads us. There's several of those. We're going to take our time this first one is so important. And, and really this first one is, is sensitivity to the Holy Spirit has everything about you living your life yielded to the Holy Spirit, yielded to God, your Father, yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ, yielded to his word. It's so many Christians are, are not going anywhere in their life because they're not yielded and they don't even know it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. I have a feeling this first attribute, it's so big that we're probably going to have to talk about it for a couple weeks. I think I could probably spend a month on it and not even scratch the surface, but I know how the Holy Spirit is. I believe everything will come out to be exactly what we need to get us on this road. So we have to ask the question, how does the Holy Spirit lead us? Right, there's, there's scriptures that we've talked about and we know the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us in our mind. The Bible says the spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. We know that the Holy Spirit leads us by our spirit. The Holy Spirit does not lead us in our mind, right? He leads us through our spirit. So it's very important that we learn how to be very conscious that I'm not a body, I'm not even a soul. I'm a spirit who possesses a soul. And I have to learn how to live out of my spirit. And this is something because, see, it is very important for me, for you, for any child of God, you have to live out of your spirit. Because you have to. Your spirit, man, is who is going to train your soul to be influenced inward and not outward. Okay? We talked a little bit about that with thoughts in that last series. How does the Holy Spirit guide us? We want to ask these questions. What's really interesting, if you look at the book of Acts, you see the early church, they walked with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was really amazing. 
They really didn't know too much, but they knew him and they depended on him. The Holy Spirit was so real to him. If you go through the book of Acts, it says this, it says things like this. The Spirit said this or said that, right? It went on to say, the Spirit directed us to do this or directed us to do that. The Spirit forbade me to go here. The the Holy Spirit constrained me. I kind of wanted to go this direction, but he constrained me. The Holy Spirit was very real to the early church. The Holy Spirit led them. There's sayings like this, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost. Right? They were living inwardly. And we could learn a lot from it. Do you know how much more we know about the Pauline revelation than they did? But we, we don't give the Holy Spirit place because we really don't know him. And step number one is making a decision and, and having him teach us how to yield to him. We have to be yielded. If you look, we're going to look at a story tonight. We're going to look at the Christmas story. You know, if Hallmark could do Christmas in July, we'll do Christmas in August, okay? But we're going to look at that, and you're going to see a yieldness, a yieldedness, uh, how, how in, the, in the people, in all the people involved here. People that were used of God were very yielded to God. The early church depended upon the Holy Spirit. The early church cooperated with the mighty Holy Spirit, always cooperating, always depending on him. The early church was yielded to him. Now, here's the thing. They weren't perfect. But when you look at when things were happening, it was they were yielded to him. See, what happens when the body of Christ, when we yield to the Holy Spirit, guess what is a byproduct of that? incredible oneness incredible unity offense is gone right my own agenda is gone because i don't live i don't live at all with my own agenda want nothing to do with my own agenda many are the plans in a man's mind but the lord's purposes will prevail man i've done it my own way right it's not fun because i'm not created to live that way We have the same Holy Spirit that they had in the early church. We are part of the same church. The book of Acts is still going today, and it's not the Acts of the early church. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And we are to live this same glorious Spirit-led life that they lived. Actually, we're to go much further than they did. Because we have so much more revelation of the word of God that they have. We have, we have greatly developed five-fold ministry gifts that, that were very sparse in the early church. This is huge. What am I saying with this? We are to live our lives being aware of the person of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is God. And he lives on the inside of you. And he knows everything about everything. 
and he has already been in every moment of every day of your life for all eternity. He's already been there, and he is your guide. He is the one that is going to reveal this incorruptible word that's forever settled in heaven. He's the agent of divine revelation. He is the answer to every issue in your life. Hallelujah. We have to align ourselves, be aware with his person, with who he is, with his leading. We have to know how he leads us. We have to know how he deals with us. Man, when we get to heaven and see him face to face, we should know exactly a lot about him because he lives with us. He'll keep you from going the wrong way. He'll keep you from making mistakes. And in this day and hour, he'll keep you safe, right? He'll keep you ahead of any attack of the enemy. You make right decisions. Why? Because he knows everything about everything. And he'll tell you. He, or I should say this correctly. He will show you. And how he leads you and how he shows you is he shows you inwardly in your spirit, man. See, many Christians, many children of God, many spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians are led by their head. They're led by their emotions. They're led by their feelings. Well, can't you see that a mile away? Why? Because we've all been there, right? They're led by logic. Well, this makes sense, so I'm going to do this. You better be real careful with that. They're led by reasoning. They look at something and they, they reason out what they should do. You better be careful. Because many times the way to go doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like the way that he's leading you to go is the way that you should go, right? Many, many, many Christians are led by their circumstances. But we've got to be done with that. Because, because God has a glorious plan for your life. And your eye can't see it, your ear can't hear it, it's not even entered into your mind the incredible things that God has prepared for you, but the Holy Spirit will show all of it to you every step of the way. This is huge. I declare that Faith Family Church is growing into a church full of Holy Spirit-led people. Full of Holy Spirit-led people that know how to help other believers be led by the Spirit of God. Be conscious of that. Because we're an end-time church, our paradigms might look a little different. You know, as we get close to the end of this age, I mean, we're right at the last few seconds of the end of the age. The way things are done or the way things look might get really, really different. And we need to know, first of all, how to be led, but then we need to know how to help others and teach others how to be led by the Spirit of God. And it starts with learning how to yield. Man, Satan loves to get a Christian up to here with thinking about their own life. Because 
it, it, it literally causes that child of God to violate the first and, and our, our commandment to love one another as Christ loved us. It's really hard for us to do that. We really don't really care because we're, it's not that we don't care. It's I can't, I can't be focused on anybody else because I am up to here with the mess in my own life. There's a place in God where you are literally, your eyes are on him and you're literally just, you're ministering to him and receiving from him. You're just, you're, you're, you're uh, basically sowing into other people's lives and God is simply harvesting into yours to where you don't, you're taking no thought for your own life. The Holy Spirit will lead you into that. That makes no sense to reason or logic or to your head, your emotions, your feelings. Your feelings will lead you astray. Your emotions, if they get twisted, will, will motivate you to do wrong things. But the Holy Spirit, as you yield to him, man, he's able to move in your life. The more you yield, the more you become aware of who he is and his presence in your life, and the, the clearer his even whisper is to you. This is not taught a lot because it's so foreign to the church. You know, this doesn't get four, four million hits on the internet or on Facebook Live. It doesn't get that yet. But I believe it will. I'm telling you, this is so very, very important. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Where else could we start? Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Very important scripture. Remember, Romans chapter 8 is the victory chapter. Romans chapter 8, basically Paul is saying, listen guys, it's God's will that you walk in victory in every area of your life. And now this is a big part of it. It says, let's break this down just a little bit tonight. It says, for as many, now I'll say this to you, I really want to encourage you with this scripture, Romans 8, 14, 15, and 16, to put everything on the shelf that you think you have this mastered and just receive from the Spirit of God fresh revelation tonight. Because I could tell you the Holy Spirit... He wants to take you deep into this passage. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And this word sons is they are the adult, mature, coming of age sons of God. In other words, this is telling us that sons and daughters of God should expect to be led by the Spirit of God. And this word led, you've heard me say that before, it's the Greek word ago. Pastor Edwin, can I use you again? I think I've, have I ever tied you up before? All right, probably have, yeah. All right, praise God. So I'm going to put this around you, kind of hold it up there for a second. So this is, this is the word ago. It was a, you've heard me say this before, but you have to see it. This is a Greek term. It's a farming term. It's where a farmer would turn, he would wrap a rope around the neck or around his animal, and he would lead them. So 
So if you'll notice, if I'm leading you to go this way, I'm leading you. Notice I can't ever drive you if it's ago. Does that make sense? I can't drive him this way because this is it. Now, if Pastor Edwin try to go that way, if he starts thinking he should go that way and I'm not going that way, as the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit never does this. So just start walking that way. Oh, well, I guess I'll just follow him. (laughs) And everybody said, thank you. Because could you imagine he'd be following us right off cliffs all the time, right? But he leads us. And it's just this inner knowing. You're led from the inside, never the outside. Okay, I'll let you untie yourself there. Thank you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the mature, coming-of-age, adult sons of God. The Holy Spirit always will lead you away from sin. Always. How does he do that? He will constantly talk to you about righteousness. Why? Because holiness flows out of righteousness. Why do we have so much sin in the body of Christ right now? Because people, they're not yielded to the Holy Spirit. There's so much of the church that doesn't even believe that the Holy Spirit is leading us today right? But also there's no teaching about how that we've been made the righteousness of God. So if you don't understand who you are, how can holiness ever flow out of that? So then in verse 15, it says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now I'm telling you, Paul is writing to these Roman Christians. When did we have the spirit of bondage again to fear? That was before we got saved. That's that's who we were. We were in bondage. If a person is not a born-again believer today, they are in bondage. They have a spirit of bondage, which is a breeding ground for fear. Right? But you have received, now check this out, the spirit of, of adoption. This word adoption means the spirit of the placement of you as a son or daughter of God. That's the spirit that you've received. God is not just this God up in heaven that I serve. No, no, no. I'm his child. And I've received a spirit now that revelation fills that spirit, fills my spirit that I'm a child of God. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now that's really interesting the way that's written because the Greek word Abba literally means you could translate it Father, Father, or you could translate it Daddy, Father. In the Greek, this, this Greek word, if you put Abba and the word father, 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 what it really is insinuating, and the reason why Paul wrote it this way, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is we've received the spirit of this adoption to sonship, and it causes us to cry, father, father. What this means is increased father fellowship. It means that my fellowship, 
I have fellowship with my heavenly father. He's my dad. I crawl up in his lap. I don't shrink away from him. He's my daddy. He's my protector. He's my deliverer. He's my provider. I don't have to be concerned about every, anything because he is greater than everything. The spirit of adoption cries, Abba, Father. See, Bible adoption, see, in America we think of adoption as, so, so, my, so, so my mom married another guy who became my stepdad and they adopted me so I have his last name. So I really was not his biological son. I had another father who was my biological father. Or if two people, you know, they, there's, there's a foster child, a, a parent gave them up for adoption, and a, a mother and a father, they adopt this child. It's, it's not really their blood. They've just adopted them. That's not what this word adoption means. This word adoption means a son that comes of age and takes on adult responsibility. An adoption of a son was a blood relative son, but now he's come to an age where now he takes on adult responsibilities. That's what that adoption is. Once I make a decision to allow the life of God on the inside of me to dominate my life, once I make that decision, I am an adult son. Now, this doesn't mean that I'll never miss it. But it all starts with the decision. So this, to, to make a decision to allow the life of God to dominate you. The life of God on the inside of me is to dominate my life. That puts me in this position now where I could be led by the Spirit of God. A lot of Christians... They're all about that. Yeah, God, you know, yes, I'm going to allow you to dominate my life. And then all of a sudden the Spirit of God goes, great, I want you to forgive this person. And you're, oh, time out. Can't do that. And they don't yield. Right? I want you to go here and do this. Oh, time out, I can't, I can't do that. I want you to give this. No, no, time out. I just, I just want you to bless me. And then 10 years and 20 years go by and they're still not, they have no idea what to do in their life because they were not yielded. Does that make sense? So this is very important. We make the decision, I am going to allow the life of God that is on the inside of me to dominate me. I am Jesus, you are my Lord. Not in title only. No, no, you are my Lord, which means when you say go, I go. When you say stop doing this, I stop doing this. When you say do this, I do this. When you say give this, I give this. There's no, when, when I find out in the word his will, that's it. Right? I'm not moved by anything else. This is it. Right? And I yield myself. This is a beginning point. Now that we are saved, we can now walk in this freedom. 
The Bible says whoever the Son has made free is free. The place where we cry, Abba, Father, is the place that we will walk in these temporal blessings of God. I'd love to tell you, and what I mean by temporal, there's temporal truth and positional truth. Temporal truth is your behavior. Positional truth is your position. So like as an example, tonight I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. But positionally tonight, I'm standing before you teaching the word. Well, in order to walk in the temporal blessings of God, healing in my body, provision for my life, this peace that passes all understanding, guarding me, patience, all of these blessings of God that protect me, provide for me everything, the place where I walk in them is a place where I'm going, Abba, Father. It's all based on relationship. As children of God... Right now, as you're sitting in your seat right now, you already have been given everything that you need to completely dominate your flesh. Right now, God doesn't have to do anything else. He's already broken the power of sin off your life. You have the sin nature in your flesh, but you don't have the sin nature in your spirit. And he's already given you everything so that you could overcome your flesh. What do I mean by that? That means you overcome your flesh, you're walking in Zoe life. Following the Holy Spirit will always, under all circumstances, lead you out of bondage into freedom. There is nothing that he will ever lead you into that will bring you into bondage. It always will bring you into freedom. It'll bring you out of fear. It'll bring you into peace. Always. It's impossible for him to lead you into fear, right? It'll bring you out of a defeated situation into victory. Always. It'll bring you out of sickness into health always. But, but you have to make a decision that I'm going to allow the life of God that's in me to dominate my life. And I'm, I'm willing now, I'm, I'm yielded. God, whatever you want, whatever you say, I'm doing it. Under all circumstances, don't care what it looks like. Guys, this is the position When you get to this place, and how do you get to this place? You literally get to this place by making a decision, putting the word in your heart, keep it coming out of your mouth. It is a position that will get you out of self-centeredness, selfishness. It'll cause you to walk free from all offense. It'll keep you where you can't get offended because you're not considering yourself anymore. You're free. And boy, in that position the fruit-bearing person, the blessed person, Jesus, the Jesus that you are, will come out. Romans 8, verse 16. It says the Spirit, now the King James says itself, but it's really himself. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So this is how the Holy Spirit leads us 
in everything. He bears witness with our spirit. So if you're trying to figure your life out tonight by looking at anything outward, you're never going to be able to do it. It'll lead you always into death. Always. Now, now, it's kind of fool, it'll kind of fool you because you could make a decision in the natural and go over here, maybe make a little more money, maybe come over here and look outwardly like you're a little bit blessed. And maybe for the next five years or 10 years, you know, you think you're doing okay, even though you got a little inner turmoil going on, but all of roads to the enemy will ultimately lead you to death. All, always. He doesn't know any other way. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This happens right when we get born again. I mean, don't I, that, that, is, that is a revelation that continues to grow. The moment a person gets born again, they're like, wow, I'm a child of God. And then as you walk with the Lord, anything you face, the Spirit of God will bear witness with you. Hey, wait a minute. That sickness that's in your body has no legal right because you're a child of God. Poverty and lack has no, it has no legal right in your life because you are a child of God. Oh, the spirit of fear has no place in your life because you're God's child. But we're not just to stay here where we just live in a revelation, okay, I'm a child of God. That's the starting point. But we need to keep going and grow. God is the God who would have all men to be saved, but also then come to the knowledge of the truth. We must grow and learn more. And guess who the teacher is? It's the mighty Holy Spirit. This is where the maturing process has to begin. And the Holy Spirit will take you by the hand. He'll meet you right where you are. And he will help you grow up. If you'll yield to him. Because your flesh, you're going to have to keep your flesh on an altar. I'd love to tell you that your flesh will get to the point where it just goes, okay, I'm okay. No, no. No. But what does happen is as you grow spiritually, as strength, as you're getting stronger spiritually, as you're getting to, and how do you do that? You get to know God more. You yield more. What happens is your spirit's getting stronger and there's no comparison anymore where now you can govern what you say, what you do, all this stuff. This is how the Holy Spirit lets us know other things. He bears witness with our spirit. Don't be moved by an audible voice. Don't be moved. Don't throw out a fleece. Gosh, if this happens, then this is God right? Be careful with somebody giving you a prophetic word. If it doesn't line up with what this word says, and if it does line up with what this word says, but it doesn't bear witness with your spirit, be very careful, right? If you really, really respect the person, put it on the shelf until it's bearing witness with your spirit. People have gone off for decades in their life and have missed God because of a word that they got. So be careful with that. Don't, don't go by goosebumps. 
right? All of a sudden, man, you're in a service and the Spirit of God is moving. And in the midst of all that, the enemy throws a thought in your mind and you're like, oh, maybe I need to go this way. Maybe I need to marry this person. Maybe I need to go over here. Be careful with all that. No, no. Let the Holy Spirit bear witness. And the Holy Spirit's a gentleman if you don't yield to him, right? We might talk about this. I don't know if we'll get here tonight, but Revelation 3.20, right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, he's talking to Christians. If any man opened the door, well, the religious, the religious incorrect sovereignty doctrine says, no, 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 no. No, God is sovereign, and whatever he wants to happen is just going to happen. If he wants you to do this, you're just going to do that. But you know that's just not true. God wants everybody to get saved. But since we've been in this, we, we've been going for, what, 56 minutes right now. There, there's been people that have died on this planet, and have, and have literally, they're in hell right now. They've died separated from God, and it was never his will, Right? Have you ever done something that God, you knew God didn't want you to do, but you did it anyway? Did you notice he didn't stop you, right? Learn to be led internally by the witness of the Holy Spirit. But you learn these things as you yield to him. If you don't learn, now here's a big one. If you don't learn to be led in little things, you'll never be able to be led in bigger things. Right? I could tell you stories in my own life. I could tell you stories in other ministers' lives that I've learned, uh, stories that I've heard at Rama. all this stuff about, you know, it started by obeying God with a $5, giving somebody $5, and it ended with a major ministry. I mean, you know, it, it all starts, God always will meet you where you are. It's a sad thing when a Christian will not honor God in their finances. It's super sad because if you don't yield there, you, you don't have treasure in heaven. You'll, you'll never get very far. I'd love to tell you you can you know, we have, we have churches that have membership and, and they make people sign on their book, you know, that to be a member of this church, I will tithe. Well, you know, we're not going to do that. Man, if you're the biggest monetary giver in this church and you give nothing for years, you'll get the same pastoral care. And what I mean by that is our pastoral staff will be just as willing to minister to you as somebody else However, you won't get the same pastoral care because you won't be yielded, so you'll be able to get very little from the Lord. Unforgiveness. I'd love to tell you that you can just walk in unforgiveness and, and, and be led by the Spirit, and you, you know, and all, it, it just won't happen, right? Because the Holy Spirit, and will the Holy Spirit get mad at you? No. No, it, it, you could quench Him. You know, you could, you could uh, displease him, but will, I should say it this way, but will he ever stop loving you? No. Will he ever start, stop believing that, that he can get you to the other side? No. He's God. He knows, what he, he knows what's in you. And he'll just continually woo you. 
So don't be afraid of these things. This is huge. Learn to be led internally by the witness of the Holy Spirit. Prove yourself. See, this is the thing. God, God reveals his plan in steps. Okay? He doesn't just show you the whole plan. He will say, Tony, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take one step here and do this. And in the midst of this, there's going to be tests and there's going to be trials. Does God test his children? Absolutely. Does he test them? Okay, this is a test. If you pass this test, then I will do this. No, it's not like that. When God is testing you, see, I've heard statements like, well, God is testing this individual to know where their faith is, which is completely ridiculous because God knows everything. He knows right where your faith is. But everything he does is for you and I. So, so he's going to prompt you to do something. And you're going to read in the word of God, you're going to have revelation that this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and these thoughts and, and all that this is going to be going on, but I can't do that. Right? The Bible said from the time Joseph was thrown into that pit by his brothers and was sold into slavery until the time he was second in command in Egypt, it says the word of God tested him. But God always tests us to bring us up. His word will always bring you up. But the enemy's going to throw tests and trials at you. But I'm telling you, as you keep passing the test, these tests are designed to help you go to a higher level. God will ask you to do this. I mean, you'll start, you'll think you're doing really good, and then all of a sudden, the Lord will put it on your heart. You know, I want you to, I want you to sow $200. What? Right? Wait, God, the most I've ever given is 20 bucks, and I thought that was a lot. But what he's trying to do is, see, he's trying to lead you into now where he can get you financially where he needs you to be. So that when he tells you, listen, I want you to sow $50,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars into this, he can't start there. Does that make sense? So, so it starts in pieces. So just always be willing to yield. He will never hurt you. It's so important. You prove yourself, you pass tests on little things, and what happens is it starts getting bigger. It starts getting more important. It starts getting more significant. This is the way it works. God is trying to position you for what he really has for you in the earth. But he's not going to throw you in to the NFL if you've never played college football, right? He's not going to throw you in the NFL if you've never lifted a weight because, man, you'll get taken out big time and God wants you to overcome in all things. 
right? When the Holy Spirit deals with you, we must respond and yield to him. This is what I've said all that to say this, or I should say it correctly. We must yield to him and then obey him, or we must respond to him by yielding to him and then doing what what he wants us to do. This is huge. To yield literally means this. It means to surrender, to comply with. Here's a big one, to give place to. And in our society, this is where we're missing it in the church. God does not have the number one spot in most people's life that are his children. And without him being in first place, he knows that you're never going to be able to do what he's called you to do in the earth. So, so literally, there's only one first place. And most of the time, I won't say every time, but I would say almost, 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 almost every time. Well, you know what? We probably could say every time. If, if God is not first place, see, here's what the problem is. Guess who is first place? We are. Right? Why do I know that? Because our sin nature will make us all about us. Right? It's amazing when you are no longer about yourself how the love of God will just pour out of you for each other. But when you're all about yourself, you don't really care. And you live life on a much lower level. And that's what God doesn't want. It means to allow. But you do all this. You comply with, you surrender, you give place to, you allow with an attitude of willingness, an attitude of gladness, and an attitude of cheerfulness. In other words, you live your life honoring God, thanking him. So God's leading us in steps. You must obey to get confirmation. See, so many times, gosh, one minister was telling a story and and he was supposed to give something to somebody, right? And he was believing God for something. And finally, you know, uh, all the stuff that had come in to get this, he was just believing God. But then the Lord in a, in a meeting told him to give all the money that had come in to this other individual. And he walks up to this other individual who looks like he's in a lot better financial position than who this guy is. And he walks up and he finds out when he actually decided to obey and to give him a certain amount of money, which to the guy he gave it to was probably very little, but he said something to that man that literally blew his mind because it was exactly what him and his wife had just believed God for a moment earlier. And so here's this young minister that is like, wow, I really heard from God. He would have never got that confirmation unless he would have passed that test and did what the Holy Spirit was leading him to do. I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly because you say test and all of a sudden we jump into the religious doctrine and it's like God is bringing sickness on us to test us. And No, no, I'm not talking about that. 
When the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, do it. And as you do it, after you do it, you'll get confirmation that it was him, and then you'll go to the next step. You don't ever want to stop that process. You'll have to obey to go to the next step. Many never get to their destination because they never obey and take the first step. If you're sitting here tonight, well, I just need to sit here and process everything to figure out how I'm going to walk in forgiveness. No, no, that's not how you do that. Because while you sit here, you will never go anywhere. You have to literally go, yes, sir, and step, right? You'll never get to your destination if you're not willing to take that first step. And here's the thing, guys. When you take that first step and second step and maybe 50th step, you still might see, not even see the destination. But oh, the peace and the joy that you walk in as you obey the Lord. It's wonderful. God leads us in steps. So I want to take you through the story, the birth, the story of the birth of Jesus. It's in Luke chapter one and Luke chapter two. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to just, I want to showcase some things because I want to, I want you to see an example of yieldedness. You have to see this. So go to Luke chapter one. We're going to look at verse five. You guys doing okay? I have to lay this foundation because this is so very important. Guys, this is stopping so many people from being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because we have so many blind spots in our life and we're so unwilling to do so many things that, that we don't even know. If you, if you would have walked up to me at one point in my life and said, man, why are you not willing why are you not yielded? I'd, I'd look at you and go, I am yielded. But I was all about me, so I couldn't see it. But man, when you, when you make a decision that no, I'm not my Lord, Jesus is, and I'm willing to go anywhere and do anything and give anything and forgive anything, every, when, when you let go of your own self, all of a sudden you get very sensitive and your position now where he could lead you into Zoe life, and it's wonderful. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, I thought I was doing pretty good, but man, I had a major blind spot here, and I have a major one there. There are Christians that are believing that, that their husband's the problem, their wife's the problem, they're believing their job's the problem, their church, their ministry for pastors. As soon as a little thing happens in their church and three people don't like them, God's speaking to them about going and doing something else. No, God's not. Right? Grow up. Get strong. Many believers are sitting at home. They're sitting in churches like this. Receiving nothing from God because they're not yielded. So this is huge. This is huge. I know. It's crazy. But I got to teach this. You know? It's so important. Luke chapter 1 verse 5. I know all about this because I wasn't yielded. And man, there's nothing like yielding to him. Because God loves you so much. And man, his ways are not our ways. They're so far above his course of action, his perfect, his purpose. But 
he'll reveal all of them by his spirit. Verse 5, chapter 1 of Luke. There was in the the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous. Now, Now check this out. This is a key. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Wow, right? We think of 10 commandments, but no, no. We're talking about 613 commandments, ordinances. So so these guys, in other words, they obeyed. They passed tests. They became approved to be used when others weren't because they were yielded at the time to the law. But this is a big statement. We give Zacharias a, 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 you know, we kind of mess with him because he was not real respectful to the angel, right? But Zacharias was, wow, what an awesome guy. And Elizabeth. God is able to bless in greater measure because you fully obey when others only obey partially. Now, you might think that statement means that God's a respecter of person, but he's not. He wants to bless everyone. He wants every one of us to fulfill everything that he's called us to do in this earth and to live a life of our dreams. But in order to do that, we have to yield to him. God is able to use people who fully follow him. Now, you could see in Zacharias, does that mean flawless? No. No, this is an attitude of your heart where actions follow. Will you mess up? Yeah. But remember, we're not making it about you or me. It's all about Jesus. So verse 7, let's jump to verse 7. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without or outside the temple at the time of incense. And standing on the right side of the altar of incense... It says here, and it says, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Wow. So could you imagine? Your lot is drawn. It's a great honor. People are praying. You're in the temple. You come to the altar to burn your incense, and here is an angel of the Lord standing to the right of it. You know, that's like, oh, wow, right? And it says, and when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, now this is verse 13. The angel said to him, fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Now think about this. Zacharias is a priest. 
So he would have studied scripture, right? Would have, would have had the Old Testament all memorized. He could, he could literally go from Genesis 1-1 to Malachi and tell you the whole thing. He knew everything about Abraham and Isaac, Jacob. He knew everything about Abraham and Sarah. He knew all this stuff. He sees this angelic host, which is not just an angel. We find out later in this story. I, I, I just imagine that when we see this guy, we're going to be like, wow, right? And, and he's like, hey, Zach, good news, brother. Your, yours and Elizabeth's prayer has been heard, and you're going to have a son, and his name is to be called John. Wow. Verse 18, Zachariah said unto the angel, boy, I know this story, because, man, have you ever said some stupid stuff? <laughs> right? Okay, this is, this is like stupid. He's like, well, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And this is one thing about angels. They don't really understand the not obeying. They saw it once in eternity where Satan was cast out and a third of the angels. But they just they don't really understand this because they understand words. And it says, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. So now, not just an angel, this is an archangel. I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak to you and to show you these glad tidings. Could you imagine? Gabriel's like, I'd slap you, but I'd rip your head off, you know? Are you kidding me? But then he says this, because he knows how important words are. He says, and behold... You're going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to talk because we can't have you messing this thing up, Zach. And not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Why? Because you believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. See, this question was disrespectful because it was done in unbelief. When you disrespect God's messenger, you are disrespecting God. When you disrespect God's church, you're disrespecting God. When you disrespect one of God's children, you are disrespecting God. Wow. Honor and respect are so important to God. Words are so important to God that he had to shut his mouth. In other words, our words can hinder the plan of God for our life. So don't let that happen. Now let's jump to verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Okay, so now Gabriel, six months later, is going to Mary's house, right? To the house of Joseph of the house of David and, to the, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou art mighty, or thou art highly favored of the Lord, or highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Now, a lot of, they believe Mary was probably only 13 
I've heard as low as 12, but probably 13, 14 years old. She was not very old. Right? And, uh, but, but who cares how old she was? This is, this is an angelic thing. This is all happening. And he says she's highly favored, but she was troubled with the saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. He, she found favor with God. Do you think she lived yielded? Absolutely. We know this by her action. It says, and behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God, well, it's hard to read this, shall give unto him the throne of his father David and shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 34, look at Mary. Now she's, she's this young girl, she's a virgin. And she was just told, you're going to conceive in your womb and have a son. You're going to name him Jesus. Time out, I'm not married, right? But look at what Mary, look at what Mary. Then Mary, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? This question, though, was not in unbelief. She was just, she's like, okay, how's this going to happen? Do you see how the question looks a lot the same, but it was, it was different? It's the attitude of unbelief. She's not asking in unbelief. The angel, and now look at what happened when she asked with sincerity of heart. And the angel answered and said unto her, he told her the answer, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. The power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And then look at what Mary said. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto... Now, if you can learn this statement, you can get healed of anything. You can walk in everything that God has. Be it unto me according to thy word. See, this is faith. This is yielding. This is responding God is able to use people like Mary. God is able to use people who will just yield to him. God's not able to do much with people who argue with him, reason with him, and then put it off for six months. You know, I've never argued with God. But this is what I've done when God put it on my heart to do something. I just kind of acted, just kind of go, la, 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 la. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I go do my own thing. And I'd, I'd, go, to, I'd, I'd go to Irvine Amphitheater to a Michael W. Smith concert so I could feel God. 
where I'd, I'd go down to, you know, when Knott's Berry Farm had Christian night and I'd go to all these Christian concerts and make me feel good while I'm ignoring what God wants me to do. We do the same thing, don't we? We turn on Hillsong worship, elevation worship. We watch YouTube videos of this and we're just like, oh, God, you're so good. And we sing songs about, oh, God, you're my everything. Except, of course, I'm not going to do what you just told me to do. But you're my everything. And we wonder why we miss out. So I'm, it's, it's getting late. I don't want to keep you guys any later than this. Let me finish by just reading four more verses and then we'll close. And it came to pass, verse 41, that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb leaped in her womb. I want to leave you with this. Many times our inward witness is like this. It's like something leaping on the inside of us. When Elizabeth heard Mary's salutation, this is, why, this is Colossians, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, why? So that when you speak, if I come up to Jim, my brother, and I speak to him, man, I hope that God would cause something to go off in him that his spirit is lifted and, it's, it, and he gets direction maybe or gets an answer. See, that's, that's how we're to live. And said, blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be performance of those things which were told her of the Lord. So how do you increase this sensitivity? You must yield and respond to the Lord. The more you yield to him, the more you respond to him. And tonight, guys, everybody watching, everybody sitting here, starting with me, you know an area of your life that you're to make sure you're yielding. The Holy Spirit will always, we always run around saying, yeah, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. But all of us do know what we're supposed to do. We know the next step. We're just trying to work it out to decide to do it or not, Right? The more you yield and respond to him, the more you will become aware of him. It's the way you were made. When the Holy Spirit directs you, you obey. And this is what happens. When praise comes up in your heart, you speak it out. When something comes up in your heart, you speak it out. You act on this. You act on it. In doing this, his dealings will become stronger in you. You become more aware and more sensitive. See, the Bible says, quench not the spirit. How do you quench the spirit? You, or how do you not quench the spirit? You do this by yielding and responding to the Holy Spirit when he is dealing with you. You push the Holy Spirit's leadings down and smother them, this will cause you to become dull. This is how you quench him. Less aware, less sensitive. But when you yield to them, you'll become more sensitive and more aware. 
So what do I do if I've lived my life and I'm going to actually, I'm actually closing right now. I was fixing the clothes. Now I'm closing. Okay. So what do I do? Now I know there's probably nobody in this room and nobody watching online that's ever here, but you probably know maybe like your second cousin's mother's third cat is probably like this. So I'm going to teach you what you do if you've lived your life not yielding to the Lord for a long period of time. Number one, you simply change your mind. You repent. You go to the Lord and say, listen, you know the way I've lived. I've lived for myself. I, I've, I've been quenching you. I'm not yielding to you. So I, I repent of that. Number two, you simply start yielding and responding to him in what? Whenever he deals with you. That's, that's what you do. If, see, if, you, if you've lived for many years and you're not yielded to the Lord, if you're living for yourself, you just make a decision and change. You say, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, but pastor, I don't even know how to do that. You don't have to know how to do that. You start saying with your mouth, okay, God, I'm completely yielded to you. And I'm going to yield to you and respond to you in everything that you deal with me in. Not, see, you kind of draw a line in the sand and you forget all the mess you've created. You forget everything you're messing up in. And you give yourself a break and you start over. And then whenever he starts dealing with you in one area, you yield to him. Know that the Holy Spirit will only start working in one area with you at a time. And you yield to him and you start responding. And what will happen when you do that? You'll become a little more sensitive. You'll become a little more aware. The Holy Spirit will become a little more real to you. If he deals with you to start tithing, do it. If he, steal, if he deals with you to start giving, give. If he deals with you to start forgiving, then forgive that person. If he deals with you to go do this, then do it. It might start out by buying somebody's breakfast. It might start out by, I'm going to hand somebody a you are valuable card. And, and, and you might go from that to where one day you're standing up here and all of a sudden you're like, okay, guys, thanks for praying with me. I'm going over here. I've got a stadium full of people and 30,000 people are going to get saved. But it, it's only happening because back in August of 2020, I actually gave somebody a You Are Valuable card. See, this is the way it works. You just start where you are. And stop beating yourself up for where you've been. Got to do that. His leadings and his dealings will get stronger and clearer. You'll become more and more aware of him. Isn't that... You were, you were thinking I was going to tell you something really hard to do. Very simple. Give yourself a break. Draw a line in the sand. How do you press forward in this area? you got to forget all the stuff that's behind you. Amen. All the failures, all the things that you're frustrated with, forget all of it, and just you clean your slate, and then when the Holy Spirit starts, you just yield to him. Just say yes, right? And I'm telling you, you'll get so sensitive to him. 
You'll, you'll just sense his leading. Whenever I have trouble, it's because I'm clouding it with my emotions. But I've learned that I just tell my emotions to calm down. Sometimes the Lord will say, you got to deal with this. you got to stop saying this. And when I do that, it's just the sensitivity is just right there again. It's a just and repair. And he'll help you.